Roger Staubach is considered one of the greatest quarterbacks in American football. But his path to success was anything but usual. After winning the Heisman Trophy, playing for the Naval Academy, Staubach served five years in the Navy before starting with the Cowboys as a rookie at age 27. The thing that's always motivated me, you know, it takes a lot of unspectacular preparation to get a spectacular result. Can you imagine if today's biggest college superstar wins the Heisman and then says, nah, nah, I'm going to hold off on the NFL draft and serve in the Navy for five years. But that's what Stallback did before going on to lead the Cowboys to the Super Bowl five times. And yet football is just part of his story. After hanging up his cleats, he went on to found the Stallback Company in 1977. He rolled up his sleeves and started helping tenants find office, retail, and industrial space. He survived the booms and busts of the Texas economy, building the firm to over 50 offices in North America. And in 2008, his namesake company merged with JLS. Today, that company employs over 91,000 people. This is an extraordinary man, a man of faith and discretion. Coming from a humble Catholic upbringing, Roger credits his mother as being among his greatest influences. We, we all have a desire to, to accomplish things, but you, you want to make sure you don't do it at somebody else's necessarily expense. And you, uh, so you put yourself in other people's shoes. I think the most important thing my, my mother ever taught me was to always think about someone else other than yourself. I'm Miles Fisher, and this is Coffee with the Greats, a podcast that explores what it means to be great and how we can chart our own paths there. Joining me is my buddy and banter, Richard Fisher, a former central banker, fellow coffee drinker, and he also happens to be my father. Now, before we begin, I just want to thank all of you who are discovering this podcast and passing it on to friends. There's a lot of noise out there, and much of it's grim. And we just appreciate you joining us as we endeavor to inspire and educate through these multi-generational conversations. My dad and I will soon be answering listener questions uh, on a future episode. So if you have something you'd like to ask us, uh, just record a voice memo on your phone and email it to me. The email will be in the show notes, but it's coffee at withthegreats.com. Coffee, C-O-F-F-E-E, at withthegreats.com. Look forward to hearing from you guys. Okay. Now on to today's episode, where we talk with Roger Stallback about meeting his wife in fourth grade, getting a day job during the off-season, and how he built one of the greatest commercial real estate businesses in America. Brew up a strong one and enjoy another special episode of Coffee with the Greats. Well, I was born in Cincinnati, Ohio, 1942, in um, Bethesda Hospital there. And my mother um, worked at General Motors. She worked for the Chevrolet division of General Motors. Uh, and then when I was born, she took a little time off and went back to work. And uh, my dad was a worked uh, for a um, kind of a distributor for uh, shoe, the shoe and leather business. So he worked for a guy named George Springmeyer, and uh, my dad was his right-hand guy, and they helped, um, they dealt with manufacturers on uh, selling their, uh, to clients, their shoe and leather business, uh, so. So was I'm, he I'm traveling sure. a lot? 
In he he traveled traveled quite a bit, yeah. He, mm-hmm. But it was mostly around uh, Ohio, Cincinnati, Ohio. He traveled in Ohio, maybe, maybe out over Kentucky, but nothing. And he not not. So he was home, um, always home for my uh, weekend sports events and mm-hmm. activities. But he traveled quite a bit. Yeah. And do you have siblings? I was an only child. Oh. I yeah kept. Uh, we were a Catholic family, and. Um, I kept asking my parents, uh, "What's the deal on the, <laughs> our, our street?" It was North Berkeley Circle, and uh, we had the dolls across the street. There was three down the street with the Bean family. There was nine of them. The Betzlers were of quite a few, and I was the, all by yourself. I, I was just—I was the only. Oh, oh, and they just said, "Well, you know, we're we're just lucky to have you, and <laughs> we can't have any more." So there, I, I think there was some something physical, but. Yeah. Uh, uh, and what did they tell us a little bit about how they inspired you to give you values? Well, I I, I really um, feel very fortunate. My my parents, I, I think uh, their example meant a lot to me, uh, and um, I, I I looked up to them and and followed what they uh, uh, what they did, and and they and they were consistent in how they. Uh, Treated other people, how they cared about other people, uh, just everything about them uh, uh, was it, it was positive. So I kind of grew up in a household. Uh, my grandmother uh, lived with us, uh, so she um, helped take care of me when my mother worked. And then I got a little bit older, and she uh, so I shared a actually uh, she and I had uh, twin beds in in a, in a bedroom. So she uh, hmm. also had a lot to do in my life. Uh, and she, uh, so she, she was, she was a, you know, a great example. Uh, she, I was about 13 when she, she died in the mm. bed next to me. I can still uh, see, see, you know, the, the last year of her life was kind of difficult. She was had a lot of confusion back then. They called it heart in the arteries. I, today it's, you know, dimension. Right. But there for a long time, she was uh, part of, part of my life, just like my parents. And, uh, mm. Uh, so, um, we, uh, we had a great, uh, little house in 37, 34 North Berkeley circle. We had about 1800 square feet and <laughs> thought that was a kingdom. <laughs> now you're a real yeah, estate star yeah, 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 from 1800 square feet to how many yeah, <laughs> million yeah, square feet? Yeah, that's our, that's our bedroom size. I think now. So, and the, uh, we had a big old apple tree in the backyard. So we, uh, and we used to play, play little baseball back there. I, I, I love sports and that was my, my, my whole deal, making my parents proud of me, uh, by playing sports. So. And, uh, other than your grandmother and your parents, who were your heroes as a kid? Well, you know, growing, growing up, um, I, I looked up to, uh, uh, a lot of athletes and I also looked up to, uh, uh, the teachers that, uh, that taught me in school when I was, when I was in the third grade sister, I thought, you know, sister Aloysius was, uh, would, would might, might be arrested for, uh, physical abuse, but <laughs> it, it wasn't overwhelming, but she made me hold books in my hand and stand in the back if I didn't do my homework. And so sister Aloysius, um, uh, she also was, uh, uh, really probably got me more involved in sports because I was trying to sing at a, at the, a church service and she tapped me on the shoulder one day and said, yeah, you're okay. You don't have to sing. So 
she she was telling me that I couldn't sing. You couldn't sing. <laughs> so I migrated more to sports. To, <laughs> I'm glad she didn't tap me on the shoulder and say, hey, you, you shouldn't play sports. <laughs> but she, she really, um, she was an inspiration to me um, as, as far as really making my education uh the forefront of, of my life, and this was in the third grade, to make sure that if I didn't do my homework and get my studies out, I was not going to go out in the playground and, and play sports. And I was, and so that that was the beginning of um, uh, the importance of, I've always looked at, you know, making sure that I did study and get, 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 get a good education. And, um, and, you know, I, I was very fortunate in my life to father Lou Gunselbun, who uh, uh, married my, my wife and I. Uh, he was in our parish and a parish priest. And he um, he really was uh, he was a great guy. He took me under his his wings at time. And and he, you know, he really uh, uh, taught me about uh, uh, getting the balance in my life of of. Uh, being a good person as well as being, uh, he, he knew I loved sports. I, I was playing football, basketball, ball, and baseball by the eighth grade. And he, so, uh, there, and you know, when I get to high school, Jim McCarthy, my high school coach, switches me to quarterback who changed my life. Uh, I didn't want to be a quarterback. I was a defensive back. And he Thank said, God. <laughs> well, he, he, he said, the other players listen to you. And, you know, Tom Schneeman was really the senior, this was going to be the senior quarterback. And I was going to, play a receiver and defense and and so um uh i he said work work on it and i want you to you know when we have our two a days uh next summer i want you to be uh going out for quarterback i said well you know you know tom schneeman's uh, he's you know he's big and he throws a ball and he said well you know you can run better than him and so uh but the two of you will go out and we'll, we'll compete and so i worked i worked uh I worked really hard at, you know, just the basics of being a quarterback, taking the snap, doing things, and that whole spring. And uh, so we went into two-a-days, and it, it worked out that I started the opening game against Dayton Chaminade. Huh. And we uh, were losing to Dayton Chaminade. At the end of the game, I threw a touchdown pass to Freddie DeFinney that won the game. And um, if that didn't happen, uh, you'd be interviewing Tom Schneeman right now. Because... <laughs> Uh, he, he, we lose that game, you know, we're, you yeah, know, he we, would have been we, on top. <laughs> Tom, Tom would have stuck, took the next week, but really that was, a, that was a, it was a life changer for me uh, when I was switched to quarterback at, um, it, it was, uh, and he said that I was, he said, the reason you're, you're going to be, I want you to do this is the other players listen to you. Hmm. And, uh, I know you can throw cause I watch you play baseball and, hmm. And he didn't have to do that. And I, I did not want to be a quarterback. So that, that was a big uh, game changer in my life and an influence that, uh, that Coach McCarthy had on me. Did you feel that you, you had mentioned earlier, just in your, in your youth, playing sports was a way that you felt you could make your parents proud of you. Um, was, was there any other role that you felt like you had to play just uh, when you were really young to to make them proud of you or to, to have their support. I'm amazed that your roommate was your grandmother up until you were 13. Was she always very supportive of playing sports? And what, what, what did you, what did you learn from having a two generations above you uh, 
person sharing the sharing the bed next to you. Well, she she was always supportive of what I did. In in fact, um, across the street, uh, the Brannons lived across the street, and uh, Pinky Brannon was my age, and Terry was uh, his, her her brother. And we were on the porch, and you know something happened, and we had a little shoving match or something. And anyway, she went in the bushes, and she didn't get hurt or anything. But her dad came over to the house and uh, told my parents, you know, we're you know Pinky and Terry and Roger were on the porch, and Roger you know, looked like shoved Pinky, and she went into the bushes there, and and uh, and they, they, you know, he wasn't really mad or anything, but my grandmother came walking into the room and said, Hey, I've been looking out the window the whole time. And Roger did not even touch Pinky. Hmm. So she just lied right through her teeth just for me. <laughs> and, and so that's the way she was. She, she supported me. Uh, she, 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 there was all that difficulty with my mother. Sometimes she spoiled me. Uh, but, but she, she was, uh, you know, part of my life and supported everything I did. And, and I really, um, I really loved watching her come to my baseball games and basketball games. And and because uh, I started playing uh, when I was seven years old, I was uh, started to play uh, some some uh, baseball. And then when uh, I was in the uh, in the fifth grade, I started playing basketball, and I I played football in the seventh grade. Yeah. So sports were at, at the center of my life, and um, but she she was she was uh, just. You know, there when my mother was was working to take care of me, and I've always always appreciated that. So, Roger, we talked about your uh, third grade teachers and your, uh, the coach through high school. What motivated you to think about going to the Naval Academy and taking the step to go to New Mexico Military Institute first on your way? Well, the, the Naval Academy uh, really uh, was very fortuitous. Uh, my Senior year in high school, our, our um, co-captain of the team was, uh, I was, Jerry Mopper and I were co-captains of the football team, and Jerry was the, the starting center, and he wanted to go to the Naval Academy. Hmm. And Rick Forzano came to visit the uh, my, visit Jerry at our high school. He was kind of the bird dog coach from Navy that had the Ohio and Cincinnati area. And he um, was watching film, and he just, he just told uh, one of the coaches, uh, it, could we get Roger to the quarterback to come and, and have a meeting here with us with me? And I, I'd like to meet him. And and they, so they got me out of class and said that uh, Rick Frisano is you know down. He's a Navy coach, and so he just gets got me in the office there and and starts talking to me about the Naval Academy. And and Rick Rick uh, it was very convincing. He ended up uh, being a head coach at Navy, and then he was at Detroit Lions for a while. So he was he was he's a great person. He's still a great friend, and he uh, he just basically talked me into going up to visit the Naval Academy with Jerry. And so we both went up to the Naval Academy, and uh, Jerry decided he was going to go to the University of Cincinnati. And so I decided I want to go to the Naval Academy, and it, it was really a uh, uh, it was. It, a, a, an unusual situation because uh, I, I, I definitely could have got in with an out-of-district appointment, but they talked to me about going to junior college because I, sh I still wasn't sure really what I wanted to do. I was going to either go to Purdue or the Naval Academy. Mm -hmm. And then the Navy kind of confused things a little bit because I, that's when I started after talking to Rick and visiting. And so 
so I wanted, uh, Rick talked about, well, why don't you go spend a year in junior college? We'll send you there a scholarship. And, and I only had my one year of uh, quarterbacking. So this was a chance for me to get a chance to play another year of football. And, and if I maintained a B average, I automatically could go to Navy. And mm-hmm. that's, uh, so there was a bunch of us, uh, from Air Force, Army, and Navy at, at New Mexico Military Institute. And one of the best things I ever did, I went down there, I matured another year. Uh, I had a real good year at quarterback uh, on New Mexico. We, we, Nimi, we were nine and one that year. And academically, it was uh, great. It, it, it taught, taught me some military discipline. So it just, it was one of those freak things in life. And, and, my, and my mother, again, had a, a big role because she knew... Um, that I that there was something about the, the she she had a feeling about the Naval Academy that was really good she she just and she really liked the idea that I still was giving it a chance go there and then you can still go to Purdue or you can go wherever you want to go and uh, that year at New Mexico Military Institute it was uh, it had a lot to do with. Uh, with me being able to uh, go to the Naval Academy and and also I. I think if I would would have went right away, I would have had a hard time uh, with only one year of playing quarterback in high school. So it it just turned out to be one of those things you look in your life. I never really left Cincinnati, Ohio, other than going across the river to Kentucky where some of our family. And uh, all of a sudden I'm in Roswell, New Mexico. And and, uh, I I do believe it had, you know, our, our family had a strong faith and, prayed about things. And, and, uh, I, I do feel that, um, going out to Roswell, uh, was, uh, one of the most important things I did, uh, growing up. How, how, how soon into your time then at the Naval Academy with the midshipmen, uh, did you know that this was your calling, that football was something that could extend after your service and, uh, that you identified with, uh, this going forward? Well, it it, uh, it it the Naval Academy. It, it, it took me a little while to get uh, get get cooking there. I, still I understand your debut was. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I didn't know. I didn't think you really had to shine your shoes every day. And, you know. Uh, so after about a hundred demerits uh, in six months of not shining my shoes or that's a lot of weekends or doing forgetting push-ups. reef points. You know. You <laughs> yeah, know. Sure. How's the cow? Well, she walks. She talks. She falls. Jock. You know. I, I. You know. You know. I. I didn't really think that was necessary in life, to, but, it, but it, <laughs> so, so, so thank, thankfully I had gone to Roswell and I got enough military discipline or else maybe I wouldn't have made it. The, but after six months, I, I think I had 10 demerits the rest of my three and a half years at the, wow. <laughs> at the academy. So I, I did catch on as, as quickly as possible. And, and I, and I, I knew my second class year, which is my junior year at, at Navy, because uh, I was eligible for the draft because I had that year in Roswell. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I was drafted by Dallas and Kansas City. I, I had a, our team had a really good year in 1963. We uh, uh, were, were one of the top teams in the country. We, we lost, actually, ironically, to the University of Texas in the, the Cotton Bowl for the... That's right. They were, nine, they were 10 and 0. We were 9 and 1. And uh, we were number two in the country. They were number one. And... They proved it to us that they 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 should be number one. So I didn't I didn't particularly like uh, Texas at that time, but uh, <laughs> here you are. <laughs> uh, I, I did I did know that I probably could play professional football, and uh, 
and I finished my my first class senior year at the Naval Academy, and uh, I didn't really feel four years seemed like an eternity when you're young. But as the years went by, uh, and Dallas still stayed in touch with me, and I went out, I took leave one year and went out to training camp, and they could see that I could play. And uh, and so it was really uh, the last year I was in the service is when I really made up my mind that I was going to uh, fulfill my obligation and then uh, leave, which was the next year. So I was in the service four years, mm-hmm. and uh, it really was the third year uh, that, that I really knew for sure that I wanted to play uh, football again. And so I put in my resignation uh, uh, in 1968 and joined the Cowboys in 69. How did you keep up? You were a year in Vietnam, mm-hmm. and you served the other three years as well. How did you keep up football? While you're in well, the I mean, it was, and, you know, I had a big role in Vietnam in a support role. We right. were supporting the Marine Corps. I was with the Naval Support Group in Da Nang and in July. And, you know, really, we were all cl- close to act- activity, right. but we, we were I'm not out. I wasn't out there. In the, right. But but I became a big fan of the Marine Corps, by the way. They they were they occupied the whole i area of South Vietnam when I was there in 66, oh. 67, where I went down to July. And and so I, I uh, stayed the best shape I could. I mean, over there, I was, you know, maybe go you didn't want to run too far, but <laughs> you could, we, we were on a... You know, in in the in the city, I was in living in Camp Tinshaw. We had a little some weights, and uh, huh. but when I went to Pensacola Naval Air Station, they had a base football team there, so I was able to play uh, some against some small colleges. We uh, we had mostly pilots that were going through the uh, uh, be- becoming pilots were. Uh, they played college football, huh. so that helped. Uh, uh, I, you know, I had a big job there. I was in, responsible for Sherman Field, all logistics there at Sherman Field, and uh, and we supported the Blue Angels actually. Uh, huh. So I, you know, uh, uh, play, got a chance to play. I probably played in about total of about ten games there. A little, some my first year, and then some my second year, and uh, and then. I, after coming back from that uh, two weeks, I went to Dallas training camp. Uh, it really made the difference because I, I I had a good training camp. Uh, there's mostly rookies there, but uh, Coach Landry gave me the playbook at the end of the training camp mm-hmm. and said, you can take this back with you. I think you're going to be on our team next year. Wow. And that was the uh, that was really the sign that I... So that's when you knew this was your call. I, I knew I was going to give it a try. I knew I was going to try to play in the NFL. Yeah. And you, if I understand correctly, you're rookie year, you're 27 years old mm-hmm. at the time. And from the onset, you're, you're playing for Dallas and uh, having a good run, but you still decide during the summers to uh, have a day job, essentially. Is that, is that when you first started working in, in real estate on the side, as it were? Well, yes, and you know uh, the the thing that's always motivated me. You know, it takes a lot of unspectacular preparation to get spectacular results. You know, you have to you kind of have to work at things. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I, I so so I was you know I was really committed that if I was going to play, I was going to really work hard at it. And uh, and and so you know, joining the Cowboys um, and and I, you know I knew I knew that uh, you know I might get hurt. Uh, we had three children born in the Navy. And so if I, you know, I got hurt, I had a, I had an engineering degree really, which is a bachelor of science in engineering, which is a BS, mm-hmm. 
which I was pretty much a BS in engineering. <laughs> so, so I wanted to really get some marketing and sales experience. And, uh, and so I, um, had interviewed with a few companies and I'm, um, I, I, I interviewed with the Henry Miller company and I, they, they, uh, said I could work in their insurance group. And so the first year in first off season, I worked, I got my insurance license and worked in the, uh, for a man named Jim Strange in the, for the Henry Miller company. And, uh, and, but I really liked the, the real estate side of what they were doing. I learned a lot about that the first year. So I told them I, I, if I came back next year, if I could come back, I'd like to go over to, into real estate. And because mm-hmm. I spent it, I spent that about five months of really working hard and insurance, Mr. Miller became a friend and, uh, and became a great mentor for me also. And he said, sure, you, you know, if you, if you give us five months a, a year, I know you're, I know you work hard at it and you do, you do, you know, you're, he just liked the way I did things, and uh, so so that's how I uh, I really committed to real estate. Was uh, my second year uh, in the off season with the Cowboys. I, I worked for the Miller Company for till nineteen seventy seven, and did about five months a year, and worked every off season. And uh, Mr. Miller was a great mentor for me. And when I told him I wanted to go start my own company, and uh, I had a partner. At, at the Miller Company, named Robert Holloway, so it was called Holloway Staubach, uh, and so we uh, he could take over for me during the season. So for the next three years, I we I, I I was building a company with Robert, and Robert wanted to be a developer, and uh, I wanted to continue to build a service company. So I, when I retired, uh, it became the Staubach Company. So Roger, I want to come back. Is all this required? disciplines that you acquired over time, mm-hmm. whether it was from that third grade teacher, the nun, and, or maybe things you learned from Henry Miller, or, and of course, the Naval Academy. I want yeah. to come back to that. Uh, what, what habits did you have to give up? In other words, and, and what disciplines did you, do you feel is important to have honed as you go through time? Well, it's, it's, you know, the, the yeah, other, they're forced on you, the, the other, you, you know, you get a little lucky, uh, with, uh, I had, you know, coach Landry for 11 years that I yeah. played, I had a, somebody that, uh, that, uh, he, you know, he, he, he had a strong faith. He, uh, but, but he, he, he didn't wear it on his sleeve by any means, but he, uh, was very instrumental in the fellowship of Christian athletes and, and so then you're always looking at him to see is he really uh, who he says he is, and he was, and and that's you know that that had a lot to do with um, how you know the makeup of my life was. You know, I saw parents that that kind of were what they wanted me to be, and said that they and saw that they were also, and. So to have to have those influences uh, meant a lot to me, and then I then I realized the responsibility I had uh, to 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 do the same, and uh, so so that had a lot to do with it uh, as as far as uh, having those influences uh, in my life to to uh, to try to you know uh, you know li- live live the life that 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 I knew that. Uh, my parents would be proud of. And then, you know, I was, of course, I got married and we, we, we had our own, our own, own children born in the Navy. So you, you take on a lot of responsibility, but it's, it's, 
you know, the, the balance that you have to get in your life, it's, it's an ongoing battle when, when you're, you're young all the way to still today, I try to balance my life with not only taking out life, but giving back. Mm-hmm. And, if, and if you can't get that balance, it's really difficult to, to trust somebody that only takes out life and they, they can be okay there on, at times, but at the end of the day, when and it really gets, gets down to the nitty gritty, you, you just don't know, uh, where, where, where they're going to go. But the people that really work on, uh, you know, taking out of life, and we, we all have a desire to, to accomplish things, but you, you want to make sure you don't do it at somebody else's necessarily expense. And you, uh, so you put yourself in other people's shoes, I think is really, uh, I think the most important thing my, my mother ever taught me was to always think about someone else other than yourself. Mm-hmm. And and when in uh, in and, and one one example that she had that meant so much to me was when we we lived in Silverton, Ohio, and there was you know there was horrible discrimination and and you know mm-hmm. this wonderful country we had we we particularly we, back then we, yeah. we, we we discriminated and back then and there were some black families uh, move into Silverton and our neighborhood was going crazy and mm-hmm. there was a meeting at our, at our house and my mother was at the in charge. And she just, I mean, it was basically said, hey, we can't allow African-American black people to move into our city. It's going to change our property values. And and she uh, just went ballistic on uh, saying how, hip, what a bunch of hypocrites they were. They go to church. These, you know, are good human beings just like we are, and they need to be given a chance. And uh, and so that, that, that really... Um, had a major uh, Im- impact on me as far as uh, you know that kind of example from uh, you know from, from my mother is it, it was uh, it was it it, it 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 enhanced that balance that you have to have because if you put yourself in other people's shoes you can really understand uh, where they're coming from and you you can so so the the, the taking out life and giving back is. Uh, those are people you can trust. They're uh, people you want to be in a foxhole with. And those that don't want to uh, really uh, care about somebody else, or uh, I think they're dangerous. They can be very dangerous people. And uh, I was lucky to have a mother that taught me from day one that that's mm-hmm. not the way you do things. And, and sure enough, as, as, we've, if, as we've seen, all the myths that were taught many, many years ago about uh, uh, our our brethren are, mm-hmm. are not true. They're, mm-hmm. They get defeated when you give people a chance. And uh, so I saw that at an early age and that, that meant a lot to me as far as how I have handled my life. How'd you meet Mrs. Staubach? Well, I met her in the, I met her in the fourth grade. <laughs> Is that right? I met my wife in the fourth <laughs> grade. She was, uh, I didn't like girls to the eighth grade, uh, <laughs> but she was there. She sat in front of me in class in uh, the fourth grade. We were, we went to grade school together. Oh, that's great. And so we uh, kind of dated off and on in high school, and and she went off to nursing school, and I went off to the Naval Academy, and she was dating some doctor, and I, I went out with somebody, you know, a little bit for a while, but we just kept, uh, you know, stayed in touch with each other, and then we started dating again seriously, and uh, I took her to the junior prom at the Naval Academy, and uh, and then by my first class senior year, it was. I could tell it was going to be, get serious, and uh, 
So we were married after a, a couple months after I graduated. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then long distance for a little bit while you were well, in Vietnam. Well, yeah, the first uh, year I was uh, stationed at the academy for a while. Then I went to uh, school for six months before I went to Vietnam. So we, uh, but we got married uh, uh, right after I graduated, two months after I graduated and and we were stationed. So it was a year, year, year later, we, uh, our first daughter was just born uh, hmm. when I went to Vietnam. And so that's the only time we were, we were away from each other. Yeah. Did you get married in the Naval Academy Chapel? No, we got married in Cincinnati. Oh. Uh, a, we, we, we had a military-type wedding. We had, All the swords. We had the swords and everything out. else. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's one of the great ceremonies. I, I had, we had a civil, we had civilians uh, in, in the military. So, because I had my high school friends and then oh. my Navy guys came. So we had a combination wedding there. We had a big wedding. Yeah. I'm curious about um, how you thought of your identity as your career is taking off, your careers, plural, and you're juggling all of this. You're, you're now in Dallas. You have uh, two children. You start playing for this football team, and you're not just a quarterback. You become the quarterback, and you're winning Super Bowls, and you're MVP, and you're also, at the same time, spending five months a year working real estate. You're also a family man and a father. How, did, how are you able to just focus on the task at hand when you're suited up and during the season you're a football player and then are you able to just hang up your cleats metaphorically and literally and then just become learn the the trade of real estate um how do you balance all these responsibilities that you have still as a young man <laughs> and being very much in the spotlight well well the the, the real estate side you know the, you know, I started out from the very bottom, and I had a very little, uh, had a small little uh, area there where I had a desk and a phone, and and so I, you know, then I, you know, do what you have to do. Sometimes, uh, you know, when you when you, you just have to work at whatever you're doing, you got to spend the time and energy to do it, and. Uh, and there's, you know, you get you got to give that extra. And I, you know, that old saying, "There's no traffic jams on the extra mile." And I've always looked at, I, you know, no matter what I'm doing, I'm going to give that extra. And it's it's amazing what you, what you can get accomplished when uh, I mean, you can, you know, go by people they're smarter than you or whatever, as long as you're giving that that, that extra effort. And so I always did that. And and I um, I felt that working in the off season also gave me the credibility of uh, being an athlete was great. And, hey, you know, we'd like to talk real estate with you, but we really want to talk football. And, sure. But the more they realized that I stayed committed to, to real estate. So when I retired, the years that, that, that I spent in the offseason, and I knew that I had to get the credibility of, uh, like I had in my sport, I had to get the credibility in my business. And and it and it took the time and the energy that I had to spend at it, and I just realized that that's 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 what happens in life. You just have to you know, you just have to work at uh, whatever you do, and uh, you you got to d devote the time and energy to it. And it really kind of paid off because when uh, many times I would you know call on clients and things, and they knew I've been at it for uh, if I was just retired from football and just trading you know, on your name. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It it. it it wouldn't uh, had had the substance and the the opportunities, uh, but you never know. I mean, you still can start a business after you retire. But I, I I 
I realized I had to have a foundation when I retired and, and I picked real estate and, and it really, and I liked it. And, uh, and I also wanted to build my own company. I just, uh, I wanted to be like Mr. Miller and build a business. And, mm-hmm. uh, so all that time I spent with the Miller company really paid off. Were there any times Roger in football or in real estate or family where you felt like I can't do this or I want to throw in the towel or, <laughs> You know, we all have these moments in life. Yeah. Uh-huh. And uh, I'm curious, is there what really tested you and where you almost said, I can't do this anymore? Well, yeah, the the uh, the interesting thing is when we, we won the Super Bowl in 1971, and I'd just been at the Miller just there, you know, a couple of years. And and um, we were in New Orleans, and we were, you know, the day after the game, we were celebrating the night before, and we are going back to Dallas, and Marianne were coming out of the, our room, and... And uh, she said, well, now, what are you going to be doing in the offseason? You know, you, you just won the Super Bowl. And I said, well, I, I don't know. So this, um, the, uh, the bellman came to our room and he had a telegram. They didn't have, they didn't have phones back then. <laughs> <laughs> and so I opened the telegram. It was, it was from Mr. Miller. And he said, hey, Roger, congratulations on winning the Super Bowl. And by the way, you've been promoted to vice president. <laughs> so... I really thought I was not going to go back to the real estate business uh, when I walked out of that room after the, winning the Super Bowl. But when I was promoted to vice president, I said, "Hey, I can't, I can't leave now." So, so really, I it was. So now a we fight. know how smart it, it, Henry it, Miller was. It was. It was. I was a smart glad. guy. But but it was a battle that was going on inside of me of uh, and. Uh, but but again, I I was fortunate. Fortune. We had you know three three children at that time that were mm-hmm. born in the Navy, and uh, so I knew I had a responsibility beyond what was just in it for me. And I felt that responsibility was to you know take on the the you know the family needs if I you know if I didn't play football anymore. So mm-hmm. so that that's when probably the biggest moment there was. Uh, after winning that Super Bowl, was making the decision I'm, I was still going to uh, work in the off season and not play golf every day or <laughs> go off and do something else. I, I want to ask also: you had a lot of concussions. Mm-hmm. You and I talked about this one night yeah. at dinner many years ago. But were there times where you thought, you know, you're, you're knocked out? I, I'm not just not going to do this anymore. Yeah. Well, it. it uh, Early on, uh, I actually, the first game I actually played in was against the Green Bay Packers. It was an exhibition game, and Craig Morton was the starting quarterback for the Cowboys, mm-hmm. and and Don Meredith retired, which is amazing. He was only 31, when, so my rookie year was 69. And so we were playing the Packers. It was an exhibition game, and uh, so I was got in there in the fourth quarter, and uh, and I'm running down the sideline, and uh, I could see kind of somebody coming at me at an angle instead of running out of bounds I thought I'd put my good old move on him and so I tried to cut back inside and Ray Nitschke knocked me out as cold as a <laughs> cucumber I was that was my first uh, I had one concussion in high school one in college and that was my very first one with the NFL where I was you know knocked out mm. where I was just you know, couldn't get up and then I was and um but back then, you know, they, uh, we, we, you know, went off to the side, you know, eventually got up, but I was still didn't know where I, where I was for a while. Mm. And then they gave you smelling salts and the doctor finally said, okay. And, but I never went back in a game when I was knocked out, but mm. that, that was the, uh, 
I mean, my, the very first first game I had. So there's, I still wasn't going to quit after right. one, one concussion. But after six of them, and then my last year, eleven years later, um, I went to see this uh, uh, doctor in New York, uh, Doctor Fred Plum at Cornell Medical School, and he was at kind of at the head of the game on concussions, which they still. You know, now it's it's a lot different. They benchmark them and they right. keep you out for weeks if you're if you. But he he said you've had too many of them. Your next one could be a problem. And I I can write right now. I can say that you should retire from football mm. medically. And I but you know I it, so that was a factor in retiring. I was going on thirty eight. If I was thirty four, I probably wouldn't have done that. I wouldn't have still wouldn't have retired. But in a way, it might have been fortuitous. Uh, the last game I played in that year, we were playing the Rams, and uh, Axel Reynolds was a linebacker that uh, hit me. I, I wasn't not totally knocked out, but it was a dinger, and it was I was confused. And I had two that season. And so that that concussion, and, it, and then when I went back in the game, it was towards the end of the game, we lost, and we had a chance at the end. And I was, I was definitely confused, but I was still functional. I wasn't totally knocked out. And I told Dr. Plum that, and he said, that's, he said Roger, they're going to be easier and easier on you, your, your, your concussions. And so um, because I was 38 and we had Danny White as a backup quarterback, uh, I decided to retire uh, because of the concussions. And my wife, who was very upset that I didn't retire, <laughs> yeah, <I'm> sure, <laughs> that I might not retire, right? And so, uh, so it was a, it was a factor in retirement. Yeah, huh. I'm curious, knowing what you know now. Well, two part question: knowing what you know now and uh, how many things have unfolded, what uh, what would you go back and tell your 30 year old self? And then conversely, what do you think the 30 year old version of you? would tell you right now that would be flat wrong. <laughs> well, if I, if I'd go back, it, you know, the, the, the thing that, uh, it, it can, it can be good and it can be bad, you know, as, as a leader of a company and building a business, I mean, you, you, uh, you want to have the right people in the right places working together. Mm. And, you know, I preached that message. I mean, I, I, I hammered it and I, I lived it. I mean, I, made sure that, uh, you know, uh, I, you know, I, I stayed away from re receiving commissions, uh, on because, you know, I was owned the company and, right. <laughs> right. and so I, I wanted to, s to send a message that, uh, you know, not, not only having the right people in the right places, but we need to work together and, and, and we, uh, we, we want to win business. We want to do it right. And then the, re then the rewards follow. So in other words, the customer has got to be able to, it, that's why we're in business today. And so we want to win it. We want to do it right. Sometimes in our industry, we, it's, you get fee and me and it's, uh, and so my, my, it was a constant message that, that, that I had. And the, the, the weakness that I, that, that I had is that I had a hard time, you know, I had the right people in the right places and working together, I would not tolerate people that didn't work together. But sometimes I didn't have the right people in the right places, and mm -hmm. I and I really, um, I think I, I I was told by Mr. Miller what my strengths and weaknesses were, and he he was really good about that. And I I don't think I did as good as I could because I just gave people the more people the, the benefit of the doubt, and I had other good people surrounding me that helped me 
finally make decisions. So it really was the people decisions, uh, if, if not, you know, just not ma making, uh, you know, quick decisions. Uh, yeah. It's just kind of uh, putting up for things a little bit too long with, uh, but, but, but overall we, we had, we had good people. We had the right people in the right places working together. But for me personally, as a leader, I probably didn't uh, uh, make make these decisions as quick as I should have on uh, making sure that I was what I was saying and was what I was doing as far as making sure we had the right people in the right places. Sure. Because we, we, we didn't have that perfect by any means. I don't know. That that, that really, I mean, that's the only thing, thing, thing that always drove me crazy on... Uh, just being able to, you know, you you want to give people that that second chance. Sometimes you want to give them a third chance, and there's there's a pattern of behavior sometimes that takes place that you have to. If you're a if you're a leader, you can you, you should be recognized and do something about it as quickly as you can. Drop the hammer on it. Yeah. How did you in in those uh, early days? You're starting a company. What what were your hiring practices? How did you like to get a sense of someone that was going to be a plus on the team? Well, a lot of that, the hiring um, was very interesting because the we, we went through a, a lot of different ways of doing it. Uh, there's there's that just that gut feeling of somebody that's uh, the background, what they've done before. They're they're, they're going to continue to 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 do that. And then then we got a little, you know because our company got bigger is that we we had tests and things that people had to take to see if they were meant to be in sales or if they're not in sales. And, right. So the hiring was um, um, the, the difference uh, was getting you know we we I was able to hire um, the guy that run our Houston office uh, Dan Bello who's been instrumental in, in the company still to this day and uh, he you know he introduced me to the guy we finally hired in Denver so a lot of it, that was a gut feeling and recommendations uh, by just having the recommendation to go meet Dan, I, I also, I had two offices that were led as good as two offices could have been led for 25 years. Uh, so some of, sometimes it's luck, you know, just getting that person that, uh, and then, you know, there's, there's the, the strengths of that person too, as far as their hard work, their, their, uh, their ethics. I mean, there, there's a lot of things to go into, uh, getting getting a good person to work for you and 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 then there's the, the the different types of people that some can lead and some can some have a hard time in sales but they can work on accounts it it's 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 a people business and the, it, it's the toughest thing that i've ever encountered is making decisions about uh people i i, I think i've made a lot more good ones than than poor ones but that's that's part of uh it's part of a service company or it's, it's all, it's about the people. All about the people. Yeah. And, and Roger, you meet and you have met through your career, whether it's football or real estate or you meet so many people outside the business. And when you meet somebody who you think this is someone outstanding, how do you stay in touch with them? What, do you have a technique or uh, you send them Christmas well, cards or do you? 
My wife is amazing on Christmas cards. We stay in touch. Uh, I know. When you mention that. <laughs> she knows cards. <laughs> she, we cards. stay in touch with bokus of people right. that I'm glad we're staying in touch with. And we probably wouldn't as much if we didn't do it through those Christmas cards. But they mean a lot yeah. to the ones that we send and yep. we get back. How, how did you and your wife manage being a very recognizable public figure, a celebrated figure? And uh, people... The, the virtues that come from that and also some of the vice and just being being in the spotlight. Uh, did I'm sure you and Ms. Stavak were conscious of that, just raising your children not to be uh, too impressed by that. What, what was what was kind of your, your way of thinking? Well, the most important thing is that, uh, you know, we're is, is your marriage. I mean, you're. Uh, uh, you know, you're faithful to each other and you're you, you can you can always forgive someone uh, if I'm uh, especially with her you know with our business I'm traveling and I miss a Wednesday night soccer game or something that Marianne sure understands we're doing it you know for our family it's mm -hmm. it's our business mm -hmm. so she she is really good at that and she's just she's a great wife and she's a great mother too you know you get lucky there I mean I might have met somebody else in the fourth grade and who knows what could happen? But I met her, and she she can she fills fills all the gaps because you know I, I was busy, but she also knows that uh, I'm doing it for her and I'm doing it for the kids, and and she can trust me, and and uh, so it, it, your marriage is your number one goal, and it doesn't mean that all marriages work. Obviously, they don't, but I I guess um, ours has been a very good one. And as far as your children, though, again, they're the children of a famous person. Um, how did you, what did you do and what disciplines did you instill in them? So they, were, they weren't distorted by that, but they just grew up to be the great kids that they are, great grownups that they are right now. You know, I, th I think the, uh, you know, in going back to the, the, my education, uh, I could have got that really screwed up with, mm -hmm. because I love sports so much. And I, there's, too many examples of some some of the right. kids that I knew that they their priorities, but I was I was really forced. Uh, I mean, with uh, with my parents and uh, and and I think we really did a good job of, of with our kids as far as making sure that they uh, they uh, five of and five of them uh, all finished their colleges in four years, and uh, so they they I mean obviously worked hard, so they studied and. And then two went to, to law school and uh, another one went to, you know, you still got other, but, but they, they, they made sure they, they got their education. And I think that has a lot to do with how they, they, they uh, look at life and, and hopefully they, you know, look at Marianne and I and we're That's good examples, good, good examples to them. And they're trying to be the same to their kids now. And uh, so it, you know, you, it's part of uh, being fortunate that, you know, my my dad could have been, you know. So I, I sure understand other situations that aren't like mine. And, you know, uh, but when you when you're a good example to somebody else, you're, you're going to have an impact on that person. And uh, my parents understood that. I've understood it. Marianne has. And we uh, I think of. Uh, benefit from it and that doesn't mean there's always still <laughs> there's, there's still challenges when 
human beings are still uh, complicated, but uh, overall, it's uh, the examples that we've had that uh, that we've been a, uh, in in our life have made sure that we're going to try to do the same uh, as as far as how we handle the examples, leadership by example. Yeah, the examples that we are. Yeah. How do you? Just a couple quick questions, just on uh, your routine. What um, what's what's your morning routine? You wake up in the morning, and before you're in the office, what do you? How do you? How do you like to start your day? Well, I'm I'm uh, you know I'm not uh, a uh, workout nut or anything, but I, I do work out quite a bit. I I, I do it. Uh, you know, I'm on the institute board with Dr. Ken Cooper. Yep. So Dr. Cooper is, you know, he's a example in my life that uh, is amazing. I met him many years ago and he, when he talked about exercise and the importance of exercise and physical fitness. And I, I, I do it. Um, I break a sweat just to kind of deal with life. It's, it's a, it's an outlet. And so uh, I have a routine. I, I actually write down, I, I do four hours of uh, cardio a week huh. and that's, that's actually six days of, of, uh, four 45-minute days and two 30-minute days. And then I have about two hours of uh, weights. And then I, uh, uh, so that's... Uh, and, you, and you do this in the morning before you come to the office? A lot of times I like to do it in the morning that's before where you come to the office. Yeah. yeah, but sometimes that's that's one thing, you, you know, if, if, you, you know, if you're exercising, you, you, you need to get into a habit of saying, hey, I've got to fit this in somewhere. Mm-hmm. Today's going to be a busy day, and I might have to sneak it in at noon. I might have to do it at night. Mm. But if you just say, I only can do exercise in the morning, then you're going to skip a lot of days because right. uh, you, you just got to run. And so I, but I try to do it uh, when I do it early in the morning, but I, I still have like, I got a Friday breakfast this week at 730 and things like that. So I'll fit it in uh, s- some other time during the day. Uh, what time do you wake up? Well, I wake up early, but I go back to sleep uh, if I don't have anything scheduled. Mm-hmm. So usually I, uh, w- I wake up around six and then I... Usually, I can get up anywhere between six and eight. Then, what time I'll, do you go to bed? I'll, I'll have to let the dog out, and I have to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the duties. Uh, I go go to bed kind of late. Uh, go to bed at about eleven. Huh. Uh, wow. uh, usually, uh, usually stay up. So, the sleep thing is, um, you know, I sleep pretty good, but it's I don't maybe get enough sleep at times. Right. Uh, and that when when I was uh, back in the old days, when I was really building the the business and everything, I mean, I'd wake up at two in the morning and couldn't get back to sleep. That's no, because your brain's working. Because no. some now I'm thinking about all the things that. Uh, <laughs> right. So, but but I have a pretty decent routine of. I mean, I, with, with fitting the exercise in and uh, trying to do that, uh, that's something that really really relieves things for me a lot. With uh, when I when I break a sweat, I I feel a lot better and. Uh, and so it's been more of a, a mental thing as, as much as a physical thing. Uh, I mean, I'm hoping they prove that physically it's good for you. But <laughs> somebody will come out with you some, hey, some you know, exercising is horrible for you. <laughs> but it does make you feel better. And uh, what, you, uh, as far as the brain is concerned, what do you read? And I do a lot of reading. Do you, do you yeah. watch movies? Do you watch TV? Uh, or well, I, about I, that? I, I read uh, quite a bit. I read. Um, of course, I read the. the I mean, I don't. I'm not online reading, uh, mm-hmm. but I read the local paper every day, the Wall Street Journal every day, mm-hmm. and then uh, except on Sunday, mm-hmm. and when they're not published, and, and then. Um, 
I get Fortune, Forbes, Business Week. So it's all, it's all, I, I love reading business stuff. And, mm -hmm. uh, and I try to throw in a book at a time, and I just finished uh, Boys in the Boat. And, uh, That's a and, great book on yeah, leadership. Yeah. Just, Sample. Yeah, yeah. it's inter interesting, yeah. Uh, gets into that uh, Olympics. Uh, but you consume your news through reading, all the, the well, television, 24-hour news cycle, and just all the noise out there. Yeah, but I, I do like watch, I enjoy watching TV. Uh, I, I watch... Uh, during this whole election period, I was watching CNN and switching over to sure. watching the liberals on there and then the conservatives on Fox. <laughs> you know, just the craziness that's going on. It's I mean, it's a very wacky world right now. And so I enjoy. Uh, but then, you know, I had, I, you know, I like watching a Y five O or or Blue Bloods or something on TV now just to break the monotony. Yeah. I mean, you're, you know, it's. And it's either that or reading the book, because uh, I, I do, I mean, I read everything. Um, people send me stuff, too. I read, uh, you know, I get different things to read. Uh, Is there a book that you like to give someone as a gift? A book or two that has always just been a favorite of yours? I haven't, uh, uh, I haven't had had that one that's, I mean, like when I've just finished, I just saw Boys in the Boat, and the, the uh, and I would, I would recommend that book to anybody. So, uh, but I'll 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 usually have a book, I'm, I'm, you know, there that I'm reading along with the daily reading of papers and of course. books and and business stuff. I uh, still really are, uh, and I I love watching the news on TV. I mean, just to catch up uh, on things. I mean, it's, you uh, do that in the evening or in the morning. Well, it, it, I'll have it on in the morning when I'm working out, yeah. uh, and then I'll in the, e the evening if I get home in time or from home. Uh, I, I like watching the five thirty news, and mm. uh, I mean, there's uh, something there. I mean, they summarize, and in like at six o'clock, I'll turn the radio on, and I might be still be laying there. I won't get up, and I'll listen to the news on uh, KR KRLD. Mm -hmm. or <laughs> right. <give them> <laughs> That's 1080, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. that's right. It's 1080. <laughs> you are old-fashioned. <laughs> is there, just to, to close out uh, on the news and everything, is, is there one trend or major headline that you're surprised people aren't talking about more? Uh, or that at least is fascinating to you that you just, uh, you're, you're, you're amazed it hasn't caught more interest or people are not uh, focused on as much? Well, the... Uh, I don't. I don't want to get. But if you ask a question like that to me, uh, the, the thing that shocks me a lot is is uh, is how many people are supporting abort. How many people support abortion? Hmm. And uh, you know, I mean, I understand with daughters and granddaughters and a wife that women need medically uh, protecting their body is they deserve every bit of that. But they've also created another body. It needs protection also. And that's the one subject I, I really have a hard time. And I'm, you know, got great friends that disagree with me. And that's why it's what life's all about. And I have a harder time with that, the, the rationalization of, uh, especially the second, third trimester type. Uh, so that, that's, the, that's really one of the most difficult things I have to, to believe that we, we can justify uh, killing or aborting a, a child. So, understandable. Uh, it's also rooted in your deep faith. It goes all the way back well, to your family. Yeah, part of it. And part and of it's just your you know, schooling. 
just know what a you know that's yeah goes you know, goes way back when you know people say well you're not there's not it's not really a, a person until you're right uh, right but they've proven that so they keep coming back now it's you know and and you know a, a woman it's it's still you've you've made a decision and you've created another human being and uh mm-hmm. so i have a hard time with that one i mean if you ask me a question man Absolutely. most things i can uh bounce off pretty good you know i'm uh, yeah. But I, I want to ask you an odd question. Someone told me you have a tattoo. Is that true? Uh, well, it's kind of a tattoo. Yeah, it's a Hail Mary <laughs> pass. Uh, oh, fantastic! <laughs> it's it's the Hail Mary. Uh, That's I which think, was nineteen seventy five. Right you know, after the Drew made this great catch in Minnesota. If you're a Viking fan, you say that he pushed off, uh, but Nate Wright slipped actually, and so. Uh, after the game, I basically they I said close my eyes and said a hail mary and uh, and so the, that term is a big deal now. So, yeah, no, no. So we were in Hawaii and we were you know just having and my wife's got a little tattoo so so, it's a, <laughs> so I, I said I always wanted to have you should said hail mary I, and I always wanted to have the hail mary and uh. and so she 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 helped design the cowboy star yeah. In fact, I'll show it to you. Oh, hey, all right. You can't take it's a good thing. Well, we're on radio or wherever we are. We're I, know, not, we're not. Not. I know. So I mean. He's rolling up his right sleeve <laughs> as we speak. And there, there it is. That is fantastic. Star Hail Mary. It sells 12 and then 88, of course. That's Drew Pearson. Yeah. yeah. That's the date. And then right the there. date. Yeah. And uh, that, is, that is the technical definition of yeah. a great pass. Our last kids minute. still think it's fake. <laughs> It's been a year and a half. Now. A year and a half? Can't believe you did that. <laughs> did it well, hurt? It's a Hail Mary. I did it said, hurt when know, they put it on? Huh? Did it hurt when they did it? You know, it, it's uh, a little uncomfortable for. Yeah. It's about, it only took about 45 minutes. Uh, uh, and, uh, and But I got it here. It's hidden away. You know, I don't let anybody take pictures of it. So. <laughs> <laughs> and you really uh, did. When you let go of that ball, did you say Hail Mary? Uh, you not say really. Hail Mary? No. I mean, it just was a good thing to say afterwards because it was. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it was back then. It was the the alley oop or the bomb or something. Yeah, you know? well, it became and, uh, the hail mary. And then That's right. I could have, as a Catholic kid, I could have said, uh, I "Closed my eyes and said, in our Father, glory be." <laughs> Apostles' Creed would have been way too long. So, <laughs> so it was mary. a fifty yard pass. I mean, you the, still got some hang time. You so can get the through hail the hail mary. <laughs> definitely came out, and it uh, it was uh, it. You know, I figure when things end, and I'm up there. Then, they're all standing there judging what I should do. The Blessed Virgin's not going to let me go to hell or anything. That's <laughs> what I mean, I'm, I got the Hail Mary. That's right. <laughs> no, I mean, it, it, uh, it was, uh, the, they tried to, you know, they, they, the, the, the press called me here not too long ago because of the, uh, the Minnesota did. And they have in the paper there, it was said afterwards, and the, it, was, it was the December 28th. 1975. So yeah. December 29th, that newspaper has that. Uh, they have it a little different. I said to the to the uh, to the reporters, I said I was saying a hail mary or something. And, right. But to the media, I said I just closed my eyes and said a hail mary. Oh, you know, fantastic. I'm a video guy. So, so it's the first time it was really used in that term. I mean, it was. It's always. Uh, yeah, it's it's a big deal now. I mean, it's uh, lasting uh, you, legacy. It's, it's used for. Uh, <laughs> It's used for everything. That's right. I mean, somebody's somebody's in a bind. It's used for politics, you know, and 
even O.J. Simpson walked into the courtroom a year and a half ago and said, man, that guy's going to going to take a Hail Mary for him to get another trial. I'm thinking, oh, geez. Oh, boy, I let's, started this. Let's don't abuse this. <laughs> I take more than that. Well, you Thank are you. a big deal, and we're awfully grateful. Okay. You've been listening to Coffee with the Greats. If you like our show, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. It really helps others find and discover the show. Coffee with the Greats is produced by Blamo Media. Visit blamomedia.co to learn more.